morning or whenever it is that you may tune into this uh, recording. Grace and peace to you on this Palm Sunday 2020, one we will not soon forget. Um, we are nearing the end of our Lenten journey. Show us, and it's been a journey to say the least, full of unexpected twists and turns. Uh, life that is as we know it, um, ha uh, which in this Lenten journey began on February 26, um, is now much different. It's much, much different. But we know, church, um, one thing is true, uh, that God is in our midst. God is with us, and God is for us, and God is, um, is faithful. God is faithful, all right? So our Lenten journeys are actually designed to be a season of disruption, right? Uh, they are designed to be marked periods in our life where we um, uh, seek God perhaps in different ways, and God um, becomes present to us in a new way or uh, in ways that God has never done before. And so I think that's been actually true um, for this Lenten journey for many of us. Our theme has been uh, show us, uh, and I believe that it's in this season that God has shown us many things through our um, shared uh, experience, this, these present circumstances that we, that we are living in. I mean, who would have thought the best way to love our neighbor is to keep a physical distance from them? Who would have thought back on February 26th when this started on Ash Wednesday? Um, and who would have thought that when Lent began that uh, some of us would be spending our time uh, making cloth masks for people? Right? Who would have thought? And who has not been inspired by the global healthcare community? Uh, putting their lives um, on the line for the care of those who are in need. And who would have imagined all the hearts that would be filling all the houses and uh, the schools that the children have made in order to spread love to the community, right? And who knew that because of uh, COVID-19, um, we now have realized uh, the, um, what a difference communities can make when they look out for one another, Right? Perhaps a lesson that, we, that could be invaluable when dealing with other concerns like climate change. When we come together, we can make a difference. Uh, just a side note, you know, uh, pollution in New York has been reduced by 50% um, from this time last year um, because of the measures uh, it has taken to contain the virus. Now, we don't like the other side of the reality, the, the reason for it, but uh, pollution is down and this has been an um, environmental a benefit for many places. Um, and who could have predicted that families would have this newfound time together uh, to spend uh, together for meals, uh, game nights, uh, movie nights, walks, um, because schedules have changed. We're not running from this place to the next place um, as we did a short time ago. And this has been a true gift, um, a strengthening of family bonds. Um, and God has shown us some things, amen? He has shown us. But uh, uh, also our Sunday morning services, God has uh, shown us some things as well, uh, important realities about Jesus himself. Our first Sunday, Jesus was led into the wilderness, and, and he, uh, it was there that he discovered really his sonship, his belovedness, and that God was well pleased with him. Uh, and not only him, but uh, he is also that we are also sons and daughters of God, and uh, we are his beloved, 
and God is pleased with us as well. Our second Sunday, Jesus met with Nicodemus, and we saw Jesus' loving and faithful presence in his life, and that Jesus reminds us that um, his Father is at work to this very day. Our third Sunday in this journey, uh, Jesus met the woman at the well, and she discovers the rock of her salvation, which comes from living water that only Jesus provides. Last week, John shared um, with us regarding the healing nature of Jesus and that uh, with the text that Jesus, uh, Jesus heals the man born blind and how Jesus brings us healing and opens our eyes to see as well. And today we arrive at Palm Sunday and um, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Jesus' Jesus's entry into Jerusalem for the last time, which marks the beginning of the Holy Week, um, which begins today. So this is Palm Sunday, and hopefully you're able to grab one of the palms uh, that were here under the carport at the church. Um, they'll be here throughout uh, the rest of this day. If you want to come pick one up, you can. Uh, we are nearing uh, Monday, Thursday, uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed. We'll have a meditation that will go out for that, uh, that John will be putting together. And then uh, Good Friday as well. Um, and this is the day of Jesus' death on a Roman execution stake, the cross. And finally, Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus has con conquers death in the grave and he was raised from the dead victoriously. So our gospel passage today is is really rich with symbols and nuance. Um, and so the best way to proceed is probably just go verse by verse. So if you have your Bible in front of you, it's Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, and I'll read the first verse. So as they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. So we stop here momentarily, and we just point out the fact that uh, Bethpage is just to the east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives is just to the east of the temple. Entering the city from here serves two purposes. Um, one, it's just a prophetic image, um, for this has been foretold. But also of importance is that uh, during Passover, there was another procession, procession that entered the city that took place each year. And that procession came from the west side of the city. Okay, The procession um, was, uh, this procession was the Roman army. Okay. And I'll get to that in just a second. But the one with Jesus is a group of ragtag people, um, common folk who have begun to follow this Jesus. Now, why was there a procession from the West during Passover? The Roman army was present uh, simply to maintain order. Okay, um, And why was order needed during Passover? Well, conservatively, uh, they say Jerusalem had a population around 50,000 people. And this would balloon up to 200,000 people. So it, it would quadruple in size just for this feast, this celebration. And we have to remember what pa Passover celebrates. Passover celebrates the liberation of the Jewish people from slavery uh, underneath Pharaoh in Egypt. So naturally, Rome okay, was uneasy about any sort of anti-imperial message that the celebration brought. So Rome was there to squash any thought of revolt or revolution from these oppressed, oppressed people, okay? So that's um, just a bit on the first uh, verse. So uh, as we continue on, Jesus sent two of, his, two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, 
and at once you will find a donkey tied there and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone uh, says anything to you, uh, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. I just want to highlight a couple things here as we pause for a moment. Uh, can you just imagine with me for a moment um, this request from Jesus and how crazy it is? Um, just imagine with me for a moment that you are a disciple of Jesus, um, walking with Jesus. And uh, he turns to you and he says, um, hey, uh, I want you to go into town and uh, basically, essentially steal two donkeys for me, Okay. Jesus sends you on this very odd task to get these two donkeys from someone you don't know. <laughs> um, and, and if anyone says anything, um, just say that the Lord needs them, and that'll clear things right up, right? So it's a very odd task, don't you think? Um, um, even, you know, um, uh, you could think of it's, it's, it's to go physically do something, um, going physically to retrieve a couple of donkeys, yet... It had very significant, it had a huge significance. So um, I, I just want to pause and just, just to, to think through this, let this serve as a reminder that oftentimes our missional calling, okay, can be very um, odd, um, even mundane to go and to do this physical task, but then in the end it can serve a very, um, uh, can serve an amazing purpose, okay? Uh, isn't that the, the life of a true disciple? You know, Jesus asks us, asks us, tells us to go and to do um, what we may think is, seem, seem to think as odd or even small things, yet in the end, they are of huge significance, all right? So the passage continues in verse 4. Uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, and the fowl, fowl of, a coat, of a donkey. Um, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Again, a prophetic uh, image coming to be, coming to fruition. But another noticing here is that the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Uh, prostasos is the Greek word here, commanded, instructed. This would mean uh, obedience to a particular command. The disciples, upon hearing a specific task to do, they then go and do that task. This is discipleship. This is what it means to follow Jesus as a disciple. Okay? So, um, moving on, uh, they brought the donkey and the colt uh, and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Okay? You ever wonder why two donkeys? Um, why not just one? I, um, it, or what it may have looked like, you know? Uh, maybe. Maybe this is Jesus riding into Jerusalem. Probably not like that. Because uh, it, does, it does say he sits on them. And these aren't donkeys. These are horses. So, I don't know. That's fun. But uh, this is foretold by the prophet uh, Zechariah in verse 9-9. You can turn there if you want in the Old Testament. That's Zechariah 9.9. But if we read further, just even one verse further, Zechariah 9.10, it says, I will take away the chariots, okay, this is a war kind of thing, chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken, 
He will, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and, um, and from the river to the ends of the earth. So essentially what's happening here is that this will usher in a messianic age of peace. This um, oppressive, uh, the oppressive nations, and all will dwell in peace. Amen and amen. Jesus rides on a donkey. This is significant. Um, as one commentator writes, James O. Duke says it this way: Lordship, even indeed, even messianic lordship, is here defined in terms of servanthood, gentleness, humility, peaceableness. Mercy and self-giving acts of generosity and compassion are marks of God's domain. I think that's just beautiful um, to just to think through that. Gentleness, humility, peaceableness, mercy, self-giving acts of generosity. Demonstration of Jesus once again comes from the east. This counter demonstration um, it comes from the east, not the west. Uh, the opposite direction. Jesus comes to the city not in a worldly power sort of way, but a different kind of power altogether, one that brings that is in humility. Okay, it's humble, not inciting fear as the Romans would from the West, but with cheerful crowds who clear his way and hail his presence. This is a joyful occasion, yes. But we just have to know that this procession of Jesus has so, so, so much political energy behind it as well. So in verse 8, we continue. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. So just imagine, with Roman soldiers lining the streets as well, the people who are following Jesus gathered and waved Palm branches. These branches alone, just the branches alone, have significant meaning, mean, uh, which is resistance to the empire. Okay? Let me show you what it means. So during the Maccabean revolt, which is just a couple generations before Jesus, uh, the Jews cleansed the temple, which was at that point desecrated by their oppressors at that time. And in 1 Maccabees, chapter 12, verse 51, um, it says this, uh, that they entered it, the temple, with praise and palm branches, and with harps and cymbals and stringed instruments and with hymns and songs, because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. So even the palm branches had a significant symbolic meaning, resistance to the empire. In many Bibles, uh, the section heading, maybe in the Bible that you're holding now, the section heading might say, uh, the triumphal entry. I'm not so sure how triumphal uh, this entry was. Many scholars um, have since looked at it as the anti-triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Kings don't ride donkeys. They ride war horses. Could it be that Jesus is mocking their sense of power, and their use of violence. Nine, the crowds that went ahead of him uh, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. If you've grown up in church, you probably know the meaning of Hosanna, which literally means, Lord, save us. When I think of um, Hosanna today, Lord, save us, I think it's important to consider not just what these people are asking um, for salvation from, but it's equally important to consider what we are to be saved for. Okay, In this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, as it continues to grow globally, what does Hosanna mean? What does Hosanna mean today? Saved from disease in this virus, saved from anxiety, and with all that, all that goes with it, grief and fear, saved from. Um, all of this we need to be from, saved from, especially now. Even Jesus wanted to be saved from something. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He wants to be saved from what's ahead, right? But also then to be saved for something. What does, it, what does this mean for the kingdom of God? In the midst of social distancing and community lockdown, um, this presents a real challenge, right? So I just want to pause and consider, so what is the task, right? These two disciples that Jesus says, hey, go, go fetch this donkey, this task, uh, retrieving this donkey. Um, what is the task that Jesus is inviting you towards um, in this season, right? Um, it may seem small or even odd, but in the end will have great significance. What that task is, what is the Lord commanding, um, uh, what is the Lord um, instructing you to do? Uh, to a conclusion, uh, it says in verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So a couple things to highlight here. The whole city was stirred. Sio, it means to shake. Um, it comes to us in English as the word seismic, right? To, to rock, to vibrate, to go sideways, to and fro, to agitate in any direction, cause to tremble, to throw into a tremor of fear or concern, to move, to quake, to shake. Right now. And the reality is, um, uh, we're in these times and the reality, uh, it, we're in this reality as well. The whole city, the whole nation, the whole global community is stirred, shaken, trembling, because these are seismic times. It has caused disruption. And perhaps both, both non-believer and believer alike. In our closing verse, we have a dialogue between the city and the crowd. The city asking, who is this? And the crowd saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The beginning of our online liturgy this morning, Mark Thanum at the beginning, again, 
um, invited us to consider the practice of placing ourselves within the story. As the story unfolds, am I one of the characters? Am I a disciple? Am I and not yet following this Jesus? They're just sort of taking, taking it all in. Answer that we give to this question, who is this, is of great importance, especially now. Asking God to show us, who is this? Who is this? continuing to show us. And because of this reality, may you know, the God will continue to show us. May that bring you peace in this time of hardship. In this time when everyone has been stirred with uncertainty all around us. We simply be reminded that the one we follow, this Jesus of Nazareth, is more than a prophet. He is Lord. He is Savior. With him, in the stirred world around us, proclaim peace to the nations.